0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here as always with Jason Pat. Jason, what's going on, my man?
2: Uh, doing better than the Bulls are doing these days? Not going to lie. Haven't been paying that much attention. I know you haven't been either. You've been all college basketball March Madness out. And the Bulls at this point just don't really have much going for them. Tonight, they they just played the Portland Trailblazers. They lost 118-98. I'm honestly shocked that they got to 98 points. They basically were playing... I wrote, I wrote a, the quick cap over at Blogable, and I was saying that they partied like it's 1999 because they basically played a, a post-MJ, post-Dynasty starting lineup today because basically everybody was hurt. We had no Chris Dunn, no Zach Levine, no Otto Porter Jr., no Lowry and Robin Lopez was the only starter, uh, the only normal starter who played. So we had Antonio Blakeney, Wayne Selden Jr., Shaq Harrison, Brandon Sampson called up from the Windy City Bulls who unfortunately – the Bulls had Brandon Sampson and Rowley Alkins up from the G League team, and the Bulls, Windy City Bulls, unfortunately lost their their one-and-done playoff game, and partially probably because a couple of their better their, the Bulls two-way guys had to play up because the Bulls only dressed nine guys. They lost by 20. Obviously, it was a horrible game to watch. It was very boring. The Blazers just coasted through. Uh, basically, as expected, we did get some big news, though, after this game. Uh, Lowry Markinen has officially been shut down for the season, he, uh, he played in the Raptors game uh, last night with the Bulls. Obviously, also lost that one, but he was complaining of some fat- some fatigue and that he didn't play in the second half at all. And it turns out that he stayed overnight, I believe, in Toronto, got some tests, uh, got some tests done. I think he came back all clear. I think Sham's training of Athletic Stadium said today that he had some uh, the extreme fatigue thing and there was some rapid heartbeat, had some tests done. It sounded like they mostly cleared – but the Bulls are being to- super safe. Obviously, at this point, there's no reason not, not to be safe. Honestly, I think the Bulls should shut down everybody else at this point. Dunn's got a back injury. Porter's got a shoulder thing and like a few other things. Zach's got the thigh and the knee. There's just really no point to play these guys at this point. Anymore. There's six games left. They're 21-55. If they lose out, they still might be able to get into the bottom three. I think the Cavs are a couple – I think they're two games or a game and a half now at this point, game different. If the Bulls lose out and finish 21-61, I know the Cavs have a really brutal schedule, but maybe the Cavs win a few games and the Bulls get to uh, get into that bottom three. We'll see. But definitely, I feel like it's the right decision to shut down, Lowry. I I assume you agree.
1: Yeah, obviously. Uh, I was pretty scared when I was reading the symptoms. You know, that's just not something that you typically see for a 21-year-old. Extreme fatigue, rapid heartbeat. Uh, That's all scary, too, especially when he had to stay overnight uh, in a Toronto hospital. But don't worry chip Schaefer's on it him and uh, he's been taking care of Jack Haley and Dickie Simpkins for the last 25 years so he should be okay but I definitely think it was the right move for marketing to be shut down uh you know the Bulls the rest of their schedule you look I think they have what six games left uh so you know they're just playing out the string here the most important thing not that I love the fact that Jason is being so upfront about the fact that we're not watching the games Jason we need to like lie to the listeners that like
2: I did watch tonight. I watched this full Blazers game. It was very bad. The said so the Bulls had 14 points in the first quarter. They shot six to 25. There was Cristiano Felicio was shooting oh, threes. Boy. Wayne Seldon Jr. had one possession where he missed three straight layups. Contested, yes, still three straight shots from like a foot away. Missed all three. It was it was very bad. Lillard had like 11 points. It was clearly not trying. And the Blazers had like 70 bench points. So I did watch this one. I might curiously watch those two Knicks games. If I've, I'm not sure exactly when those those dates are. If if I'm just going to sit around, I think they might Monday be Monday and then next Tuesday week or something week. like that. Yeah, I, I might just watch those for the hell of it because it's going to be just awful, terrible basketball between two teams that have basically packed it in, tanking, whatever you want to call it. Other than that, though, just, I did not watch the Raptors game. I was... Uh, what was I doing? doing like, I can't remember. I didn't watch the Jazz game. They lost by, whatever, 30 the Jazz. They were down 34 at halftime. I was watching Into the Spider-Verse. Hadn't seen it yet. Made it mu- That was a much better decision. Awesome movie. If you haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse, great movie. You should watch it. It was definitely a better use of my time than than watching the Bulls get absolutely clowned by the Jazz. It's just, it's just tough to watch at this point. I, I mean, I, you can call us bad fans or, or not, but even C-Red Fred. C-Red Fred was... Tweeting today about how it's like it, the bulls at this point are testing his patience to, to watch every game because I mean there's only so lo- so long yeah. you can watch Antonio Blakeney and Brandon Samson I mean, Shaq Harrison God like Shaq Harrison is busting his ass out there he's he's been trying his ass off all season kudos to him he's 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 done pretty well this year but it's like oh yeah it's we tough got uh, two
1: thirds of the 2016 LSU team out there that couldn't even make the NCAA tournament with Ben Simmons. Brandon Sampson was at LSU a lot oh he was oh uh, all right. <laughs> Blake yeah they were the same class there Sampson was like a recruit in the 40s and Blakeney was like in the in the teens so they were both pretty good recruits Blakeney was like a McDonald's all-American guy anyways no one probably cares about that. Uh, But I agree with you. Basically, the main thing to know right now about the remaining String of Bulls games is that you can't really learn anything, in my opinion, uh, from these games. Now, Felicio's been playing a little bit better lately. Wayne Seldon's had some big scoring games. The fact of the matter is there's so many possessions in an NBA game that someone might put up big numbers, uh, and especially when these games turn into low stakes games so quickly because the bulls are just getting burned i saw yesterday they actually fought for the backdoor cover again yeah they
2: they were down like 21 they were down all game and they were down like 21 with like four minutes left i think the line was like 14 14 14 and a half maybe they got it down to they lost by nine uh they wayne selden the Raptors are trying to dribble out the clock with like 10 seconds left. Wayne Seldon forced a jump ball and the Bulls scored again to to make it a single digit game. Like I'm sure Boylan just absolutely loved that. Uh, all that, just that wonderful spirit and that wonderful soul fighting back. And, and tonight's broadcast, Neil was like really trying to sell like, Oh, you know, Bulls tried really hard. They really hung her out against the Raptors. Like they were down double digits all game. And I guess they made it a 10 point game at one point, but they were also like the game was never in doubt, but, I mean, I, I do kind of almost feel bad for Neil and Stacey because they are trying very, very hard to really sell uh, with, like, the Bulls' future. Like, like I said, I haven't been watching watching and listening that closely. Like, tonight, like, they spent a lot of time. I don't know if you read the ESPN article today about, like, Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, yeah. De'Aaron Fox, about, like, the second-year players, and Lowry was not mentioned. They spent a lot of time uh bitching about Lowry not being mentioned and it's like well you know three of those guys have like played at a high level in the playoffs De'Aaron Fox is on like one of the biggest surprises of the year and took a huge jump of the shit it's like that's why like Lowry missed a lot of time the Bulls are a joke like that's like Lowry's really good I'm a big Lowry guy we'll talk a bit more about his season here in a bit but like that's why like he's he wasn't mentioned in this article like just take it easy. Like Lowry's a really good player. Like they did a whole like redraft or like, and they were both like insisting that Lowry would be like number one or number two in a redraft. And like, I don't even think that's that crazy, but like these other guys have done it. They've done it in the playoffs. They've done it on good teams. We still have to see Lowry do that. But, and just like in general, like that, like Stacey was gone off about how like Dirk Nowitzki or how Lowry's like Dirk Nowitzki like reincarnated and stuff. Like this. It's just like, they're obviously trying to sell something for next season, which I get like, they have to do it. Like, you could, there's only so much you can talk about when you're talking about Brandon Sampson and Shaq Harrison and, and uh, Antonio Blakely, but they're, they're really, they're really laying it on thick. We'll we'll see how that goes, but I guess this is a perfect time. Let's let, let's do talk about Larry market and season. Uh, now that it is officially over. Uh, he had, I mean, he, he obviously had the huge setback to start the year with the elbow injury. Really unfortunate, really a huge bummer because it really did seem like he was going to have a huge season. He came, missed, I think it was like a month, month and a half. He didn't start playing until December. Came back. Uh, he was kind of slow out of the gate. That's when when he came back. The, uh, that's right when Boylan took over. He played I think one game with Fred. Boylan took over. That's when the Bulls started playing their nonsense, slow down pace, and just and he. I feel like he struggled just naturally coming back from an injury. His shooting elbow. It's gonna you're gonna struggle, and with the Bulls' offense, what they were doing, really struggled. And he had that huge February 25 and 12. I knew everyone was super excited. And then it's been kind of, been kind of it's downhill since that Hawks game. He played really well against the Wizards, but basically since then, kind of downhill since that 4 0 game. And now he's done. Final numbers on the season, 18.7 points per game, 9.0 rebounds, 1.4 assists. His shooting stats, uh, very similar to last season, actually took a step down, 43% on the dot, down from 43.4%. Three point percentage is almost identical, 36.1%. To, this year, 36.2% last year. Uh, attempts around the same. He t- got a jump of about two and a half field goal attempts per game. His three-point attempts went up by about half per game. He did get to the line more about one, 1. 1.4 more times per game. He's obviously a great free throw shooter. So he did take some steps forward this year. He had that huge month. Besides the February, the consistency wasn't really there. I mean, he's a young young guy. These injuries obviously always hurt. I mean, what do you make of Larry Markin in season? What... What do you expect of him going forward? Like, would do you think he belongs in uh, in the conversation with those other four guys? I also want to throw in John Collins. Is that a huge year? I feel like he belongs in the conversation with those guys. If you're going to talk about some of those guys, what
1: do what do you make of, of Lowry's season? Yeah, I think Lowry had a good year, but you know when you go through his advanced stats, there wasn't really a marketed improvement in any one area. I mean, he did get to the foul line more. Uh, which I think is big, but everything else is pretty consistent. I mean, you look the true shooting percentage last year, 55.2, the true shooting percentage of this year, 55.3. Yep. A lot of his per 36 numbers are pretty similar. He operated at a slightly higher usage rate, but his block rate, exactly the same, his steal rate, exactly the same, his assist rate, uh, 0.8 higher, uh, rebound rate, you know, a point and a half higher. So, I think that I'm really high on marketing still. In general, uh, it's you know the biggest bummer of this year to me is that we didn't get to see him and Wendell yeah. log some real time to see how those guys could work together and really just to allow those two dudes to build chemistry because even next year, uh, Wendell's birthday is coming up. He's going to be 20, I think. He's, he's been 19 all yeah, year.
3: Right.
1: You know, even when those two guys, you know, get a full training camp next year and they get a full season. It's just going to take some time for him because they are so damn young. Uh, Now, when you compare Lowry to the other stud sophomores, let's go through those guys once again. It was Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, and uh, who was the last one?
2: Uh, Simmons.
1: And Simmons. Uh, Yeah, like I think he definitely, Lowry definitely has the potential to be better than De'Aaron Fox. Like if I could choose between De'Aaron Fox and Lowry right now, I would take Lowry. I would. I mean, Fox is a good player. I feel like Fox is a bigger name. They're like, there's like this pump up machine behind Fox to like make him a star and to make the Kings this feel good story. Uh, and the Kings did make some, some big improvements this year. There's no doubt. I don't know if the Kings success is sustainable. And I don't know if De'Aaron Fox is bound to be a top five. Like, De'Aaron Fox, I would bet, will never be as good as Kyle Lowry. So if I'm choosing between. The seven-footer who's an elite three-point shooter or the six-three guard with elite speed who's made improvements as a shooter but, you know, still has some holes in this game. I would take Markton over Darren Fox. I'm not thinking about that one twice. Then you got Donovan Mitchell and Tatum. Uh, I would probably take both those guys over Lowry, but I don't think that it's such a wash that Lowry doesn't deserve to be in the conversation. Uh, and then we mentioned John Collins too. I'd take Lowry over Collins. Just because Collins has some defensive deficiencies, he's really fucking productive. He's like a workhorse in the front court. Uh, But I would take marketing over him. So really, if you're doing a redraft, and Simmons isn't in that redraft, because Simmons was in the draft before, of course, I think that Lowry for sure is a case for the top three. Uh, But the thing with Lowry is he's going to need to make notable improvements in his game next season or the year after for this hype to really be warranted. Because basically what he's had is two solid seasons in a row at age 20 and age 21. If we're going to be talking about him being a perennial all-star, if we're going to be talking about him uh, the way we were talking about him in February when he was just crushing it, he's going to need to make notable improvements in this game. I think a couple areas you look at, any supplemental shot blocking they're going to get from him is going to be really big. Of course, Carter is going to be your main rim protector. But still, if you're seven feet tall, I believe as a rookie, marking in, had the lowest block rate of anyone who was ever seven feet tall. Uh, this year, his block numbers were like basically exactly the same per 36. His block rate was 1.7, whereas his rookie year it was 1.8. So you're going to need to get a little bit of shot blocking. I would like to see him try to beef up on the glass, too. Now, he's been a pretty good defensive rebounder throughout his career. Uh, you could point to Robin Lopez's uh, you know, unselfish play boxing people out, clearing out the paint for Lowry to grab boards is perhaps a part of that. We'll see if his defensive rebounding continues next year with Carter. But don't forget, this summer, Markkinen looked super jacked when he was doing the FIBA stuff. He He had an injury. It was a shoulder injury. He couldn't be doing the bicep curls. So I think, you know, we'll see what kind of shape he comes in next year. I'm hoping he comes back and looks really strong, not just in the upper body, not just the lower body, lower body. But the lower body stuff, too. Uh, my friends who do CrossFit, they they call those the glamour muscles. They make fun of my one friend because all he does is buy some girls. So, Lowry, you know, do some squats, strengthen the core, all that good stuff. Uh, he's going to turn 22 years old here in May. So he has a long, long, long career ahead of him. Uh, and I also want to see the three-point shot be better, too, because he's been yep. good in both of his first— Kind of year. streaky. 36%, six attempts. All right, these are the numbers I want out of Lowry in Ten attempts. Give me ten attempts per game. And if not ten, if that's shooting for the stars, I'll settle for He averaged six and a half this year. 5.9 is rookie year. So ideally I want ten. If he can get up ten and still shoot 36%, I think the Bulls are going to be looking really, really good with that type of production coming out of the four. Uh, and if he can't get up 10, if he's getting up around eight, I'd like to see him hit 40%. Cause I think he is capable of shooting that way. Like you said, he's prone to some slumps, a little more consistency from month to month as a jump shooter. And I think the bulls are going to be in a really good spot. So if I had a grade market in season age 21, you got to factor in the pre the preseason injury to durability is part of the game. You got to stay on the court. He only played 52 games this year after playing 68 his rookie year. Uh, durability is actually the number one thing I want to see from Lowry Markinen next year I want to see him play 80 games 75 or over, they need him on the court He's, right now, looks like the brightest Piece of the rebuild, and he will continue to be The brightest piece of the rebuild Unless they get Zion Williamson Even if they get John Morant, this is still going to be Lowry Markin's team So I want to see him play 80 games uh, And, you know, those, those are just Some of the improvements in general I'd like to see him, I'd give him a B If I was grading a season, I think uh, and that might be a generous grade when you factor in his lack of durability. Maybe he gets a B minus, but a B, I think, uh, because of the hot February. Uh, and, you know, hopefully this illness isn't too bad because the symptoms did sound kind of scary to me.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with the B. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, I just read what. Something, I just saw Casey Johnson tweet about the rapid heart rate. Everything checked out normal, but he's going to, over the next couple of weeks, he's going to have some stuff. And it sounds like he might, one scenario is him wearing a heart monitor during Ugh. a supervised workout. That, I mean, anything involving just like the heart and that kind of stuff is definitely super scary. So we're obviously crossing our fingers. I, 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 I basically echo most of your thoughts about Lowry. He obviously showed some really nice things. I'm a big Lowry guy. I got a Lowry Marketing City, yeah. Black City jersey like to re- like to wrap that thing. It's pretty, pretty sick. Big fan of his, he's definitely him taking that next step. I feel like the third year is definitely just a huge season for young players like this. So, and hopefully if he can stay healthy, it, it's it's going to be a year to take a big jump this next season or two. It's going to be really huge for his development. Hopefully he, like you mentioned, he's got to get, get stronger upper body and lower body, which should also help him on defense on in the glass and on offense as well. If he's going to do anything in, in the post Hopefully, we get that consistency. I was actually, and you talk about a three point shooting. I was actually talking with, I was on C. Red Ooh. Fred's podcast the other day, and he was talking about, I mean, you know, C. Red Fred's so high in the Bulls. He was talking about how he's been kind of disappointed by Lowry's three point shooting. And being at 36%, I feel like is a little, I, I, don't, I don't want to say disappointing, but I feel like we are expecting high 30s to 40% shooting from him because he is, we know that he's a good shooter, but he has been prone some of these stretches where he just can't make anything, even wide open three. So it definitely would be nice to see them take those leaps next season that the bulls obviously need it. If they're going to be any good and they'll need a lot, not a lot of help from other guys as well. Yeah.
1: So, you know, marketing to me, unless they get Zion marketing, is still going to be the guy. And, you know, for the bulls next year, I think it, it could be an exciting season. Obviously a lot depends on what's going to happen in the lottery. Uh, but to me, if the bulls land anywhere outside of number one, if they're second, if they're seventh or eighth, my win total projection is not going to change very much, uh, no matter where they land. But if they land number one, I think that then every, I mean, just everything about the entire franchise changes. Then we should change the name of our podcast to Zion and Friends or something, <laughs> Zion National Park. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later.
2: I'm da- I'm am da- down. I guess that's a g- that's a perfect way to transition into obviously. NCA tournament, March Madness, Zion Williamson and Duke almost going down to, uh, in a crazy game yeah. against, uh, that was UCF, Taco right? Uh, Taco Fall. Uh, awesome game. And Zion, Zion was incredible. He was awesome in the first game. Duke started a little sluggish in that first game and then obviously just blew off the doors in the second half. But Zion was awesome in the first game. And then basically was kind of playing by playing by himself in that, se- in that second half against UCF, UCF. And I uh, was at Aubrey Dawkins, right? It was just on yeah. fire.
1: Aubrey Dawkins, a great former Michigan player. That, he's Johnny Dawkins' right? son. He yeah. transferred from Michigan to UCF yeah. when Johnny Dawkins got that job from Stanford. Uh, Aubrey Dawkins, he's got to be like 24 years old.
2: Yeah, I like, I feel like I, I thought I had recognized him. I was like, was he on Duke at some point? It's like, it was, no, it was Michigan. And I remember him from Michigan. But yeah, Zion was basically going like one on five. He was trying to cl- climb Mount Taco Fall multiple times. Yeah uh got blocked a few times a few times he was hacked with no call I know taco ended up was in foul trouble as well with Zion obviously is fearless And what do you he like 32 11 I think at four he hit three three-pointers in that game he had the the big and one towards the end of the game missed the free throw Ooh, but then RJ which. Barrett finally woke up from his slumber yeah. to win the game and Duke escaped at the but basically at the buzzer after I don't know how those last few shots did not fall for safe I'm, I'm I'm glad because I want to see more oh, Zion yeah. in the tournament I mean Zion's been incredible. I mean if you wanted to just talk about what you saw what you've seen out of Zion, what you've saw out of the other Duke guys. I know Cam Reddish had a big 3. He had a, finally had a good shooting game against the UCF. I mean uh, RJ Barrett was kind of quiet. He was really he was good in the first game, so just take
1: us saw take us through what you saw out of the Duke guys so far. Yeah, well, it's like Zion has reached the point of ubiquity <laughs> where there's nothing really interesting to say about him at this point just because Everyone keeps repeating the same yeah. talking points I think, over and over again, and obviously he's so incredible. There's just a massive gulf between him and anyone else. Like, you know, there there are some people who are just watching the tournament for the first time. They will see the one the John Morant yeah. game uh, as they upset Marquette in the first round, and suddenly you hear you see some people tweeting, "Well, maybe Morant should go number no, one, no, no,
3: especially
1: no. Oh, a point guard." No, 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 no. To put Morant in perspective, real quickly. If he was in last year's draft, he's not a top seven pick, I don't think. Uh, he might, he might, like he might be better than Colin Sexton, who went eighth in that draft. But uh, don't forget, my boy Jay Gilgis Alexander went 11 in that draft. So, uh, to me, John Morant would not be a top seven player in the last draft. In this draft, he has a case for number two for sure, just because uh, this draft is so weak. But circling back to Zion, you know. Duke cannot shoot at all That's Bad. 40% of their threes in that game. Now, if you even watch that last possession, which just so intense, I'm so glad Duke won that game just because I'm going to the final four. I'm covering the final four in Minneapolis and I need Zion to be there. Otherwise it's going to drain a lot of my enthusiasm for this. But despite <laughs> the fact that it'll still be fun, it's like you, you want the main attraction there, but right. uh, Trey Jones is standing wide open in the corner and taco fall there's no you know three second rule in college he's just standing in the middle of the paint not even stepping out on trey jones so zion you know does the spin move uh draws the and one on taco taco had only given up four and ones all year in just a word on taco taco fall is good i can't remember a guy who's that big who's been that good like you got to factor in he's seven foot six. He's three inches taller than Boban, who's the tallest player in the NBA. So he is totally outlier size. There's been a bunch of these guys in college. Sim Bueller was seven foot six, and I think New Mexico oh, yeah. a couple years ago. Kenny George was the guy who had the really sad story. Uh, he was seven foot seven, I think, on UNC Asheville or one of those schools. Uh, but Taco's really good. He's been better than anyone else who's that size, I think. Uh, he'd only given up four and ones all year and Zion got the fourth. I thought in general, taco did really well to protect the rim and to rebound. I hope that, you know, he can get in the G league. I don't think he'll get drafted, but I think there's a chance he could like, you know, if Brandon Sampson's an NBA player, why can't taco Paul play an NBA game? So, you know, Zion, uh, you know, finishing over him just speaks to just how truly incredible his combination of size, quickness and strength is, uh, I really want to see Zion in more pick and roll. I want to see Zion in more pick and roll as a ball handler, especially because I think his, you know, zero to sixty, his going from a standstill to just like going into fucking hyperdrive, is totally insane. It reminds me of D Rose, just his explosiveness off the first step and then his explosiveness going to the basket. And the mechanics of Zion's athleticism are also better than Rose's ever were. Uh, In that, you know, if Zion gets hurt, I think it's more going to be because of the weight, more than the fundamentals of his running and jumping, which is what seems like did in Rose ultimately. Uh, I want to see Zion handling the ball in the pick and roll. And I want to see Zion is the roller. He's so incredible in both of those scenarios. and one thing I've been meaning to write at SB Nation, I'll, I'll write it at some point, but I, I do think Zion can really play point guard, be an offensive initiator going forward. And when you're an offensive initiator, that's what unlocks true superstar potential. I would say that that's the number yeah. one determining factor of can you be a superstar? Because ultimately, if you're a guy who can't initiate the offense, you can check every other box. But like, there's a ceiling on how good Chris Middleton is, right? Because Chris Middleton doesn't like initiate possessions for the Bucs. I think Zion can absolutely be an initiator, but goddamn, as a roller, he's so good, too. And uh, really, we t- we spent so much time talking about Zion's dunks. Everyone sort of gawks it, uh, you know, his incredible slams. But his layups are so good. I don't know how he finishes. He such good touch when he's around the rim. Even when he's below the rim, he has great touch. I mean, what more can you say about it? He's, he's
2: so, good, so. To your point to your point about the pick and roll stuff, I feel like it's, it's so hard. It can be so hard in college and especially on this Duke team when they're packing when they're playing team opponents are playing zone they're packing the paint they're not guarding trey jones or they're not guard, i mean rj's not a good shooter either so like i feel like it's just kind of hard to give zion that opportunity to be like that initiator and to like get the in the nba when you're playing it more in an open game like i feel like that's when you're really going to see zion's ball handling come out and you can really do that pick and roll stuff when, with more spread courts so like it just like I said, it, it was rough watching trey jones launching all those three pointers in the second half just brick at, i know he made like one i think but just like brick after brick after brick and they're packing the pain on duke because was there was these guys can't was, i mean zion's not a good shooter he did hit three three pointers like i said but trey can't shoot like barrett's like a 30 percent three-point shooter it's just like it just so it's it's kind of tough to see and they're the, the, like full skill sets coming out but and zion is still doing all this ridiculous shit and you talk about like the athleticism and the stuff that he and he like, gets finishing that I think it was the first game. That one play where he like out hustled a guard, chasing down a loose ball, got the ball, like went behind the back, slipped, but he still ended really? up with the ball and then finished. I was like, I, like how does how does he do that at six seven two eighty five? Like it's absolutely outrageous, outrageous stuff. Barkley
1: called that play one of the best basketball plays he's seen all year or in his entire life. And then he said that he was honored to be compared to Zion. The people who were comparing Zion to him, he's like, I'm honored. How many times do you hear a Hall of Famer say that about an 18-year-old? I mean, dear Lord. Even yeah, LeBron, and- when they asked LeBron about it at the All-Star game, and maybe this is because Clutch is trying to sign Zion, but even LeBron was like, yeah, I don't mind the comparisons. We're like, typically... You know, someone like LeBron is not going to be, like, like, cool with a comparison to some college kid. You know what yeah. I mean? Zion just exists on a level that is so far beyond the norm. He's just such a superstar, and I hope he just stays healthy because he's so much fun to watch him, man. Yeah. And then on the Bulls, I'm telling you, dude, we got to change the name of the podcast. <laughs> we got to change. I'm not going to be negative anymore then. Then I'm just going to be like Zion, Zion, Zion. Like, I'm in. Uh,
2: so I guess to that, to, to finish off our Zion talk here, uh, I think Paul it was Paul Pierce who tweeted that like Zion right now is like one of the 50 best basketball players in the world. And I feel like that's, I that's said probably that. not
1: crazy, right? I said it in our last podcast and yeah. I thought he could have been a top 50 player as a rookie. He also said Zion Williams, which is so funny. <laughs> Paul Pierce, oh. The world's oldest 40-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Zion's a no-brainer. We should talk about Morant a little bit because yeah. I feel like he's the more interesting prospect in terms of discussing him. Morant really showed out in the NCAA tournament. First round against Marquette. Puts up the eighth triple-double in NCAA tournament history. 17 points, 16 assists, 11 rebounds. The vision was truly phenomenal. Crazy. Uh, and Marquette's not a great defensive team. He had the matchup against Marcus Howard. Howard wasn't guarding him for a lot of that game. Uh Eamon a- or Hammond was guarding him for Marquette for a lot of that game, too. But uh, I thought that, you know, Morant really didn't only live up to the hype. He exceeded it in a lot of ways. Uh, he, he's a, he's a really talented player. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he has great vision. Uh, he has good scoring instincts. Um, I am not totally in love with him, though, for a few reasons. He shot the three ball, three ball really well in this tournament. He went two for two from three against Marquette, and then the next game, I think he went five for six.
2: He hit, like, his first five, and that was all, like, pull-ups and, like, step-backs, like, stuff that he has not
1: been doing all right, season. Right, which is huge because NBA teams are going to dare him to shoot. I think yeah. he looks like he, sh- he just shoots like a moon ball. Like, he doesn't have a lot of touch on it. It doesn't look like. Uh, but, I mean, his, Slow shoulder, release too. his offensive value is going to go even higher. To me, he – Someone else wrote this. It might have been on the Stepien, which is a great draft site, or it just might have been on Twitter. But basically, the idea is that John Morant is a floor raiser, not a ceiling raiser. I really agree with that. And it's a great way to put it. Like, if you're a team that is trying to go from like 40 wins to like the elite level, I don't know if John Morant is the type of guy who can get you there because I think that especially in playoff series, the holes in his game could easily be exploited in terms of defensively, in terms of every team's going to be just going under screens on him, daring him to shoot. Uh, But if you're a team that blows, I think that he could have a very dramatic effect on getting you to like a baseline level of competency just because he's going to get guys open looks. And especially if Wendell is allowed and gains more confidence in shooting that three ball, man, if you can just space out around Morant and then have Morant and Levine as co-ball handlers, and Morant can just be whipping one-handed passes to the corner for Markinon, and, I mean, it your imagination can run wild for how he could elevate the Bulls' offense. Now, my question has always been, are the Bulls in a position where you really want to sell out for all offense? I don't think so. Like, you have Markinen, you have Levine. Those are two high-usage... Offense-first players who, at best, are going to be average defensively. I don't even think they're going to be average. Maybe marketing can be average. Levine has, you know, miles to get to average. Uh, To me, you want a two-way guy. That's why my favorite player in this draft, my number two overall player, the guy I would take ahead of Moran, the guy I would take ahead of RJ Barrett, is Jarrett Culver, the guard from Texas Tech. He has been really outstanding in this tournament as well, even though he hasn't gotten the same hype as Morant. Uh, His first game against Northern Kentucky was just a goddamn clinic, 29 points, 7 assists, 8 boards, 10 of 17 shooting, hits 3 of 5 from 3. Against Buffalo, he was a little less efficient, 16 points on 17 shots, but he still had 5 assists, 3 blocks, 2 steals. The thing with Jared Culver is he's listed at 6'5", 195, because that was his... Uh, size as a freshman, now he's a sophomore. I would say he's probably going to measure 6'7, 210, and he's like really jacked. So I really like how much he's added strength. What I like about Jared Culver, high IQ player who plays both ends of the floor, who just elevates everyone else around him. He might not have as much superstar equity as a player like Morant or even a player like Barrett, but I think that Jared Culver is the guy who can play a good role on a winning team. You look at how much better Otto Porter made the Bulls. Some people could still scoff at that because the Bulls are still trash. And the games that Porter was playing in, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much weight we could put in those, or at least you can argue that we shouldn't put a ton of weight in those games. Uh, But I think, you know, getting a competent wing who defends and shoots threes did make the team better. And I think if you get another guy like that and Jared Culver, you're just going to continue unlocking the upside of the team. I also think Culver has some sneaky point guard potential, on both ends of the floor. Offensively, he's been playing point guard for Texas Tech for the majority of the year. He's been their offensive initiator. He had never done that as a freshman, so that's a new role for him. And, I mean, Big 12 teams were basically playing a box and one around him. Defensively, he did everything for Texas Tech, and they're playing on offense. He did, they're playing Michigan in the Sweet 16, which will be the number one defense versus the number two defense. That's going to be a slugfest. should be a really good test for Jared Colvary. I assume he will be guarded by Charles Matthews from Michigan, who's also a really good, uh, defender. So I would just take Culver. I wouldn't worry about fit. I wouldn't worry about, you know, that sliver of chance that Morant does turn into a superstar and Hey, if it happens, I mean, you're going to look bad. So, you know, if you're going, if you're factoring in, like, will I have pie on my face? then Maybe you want to draft Morant, but me, I would feel more confident drafting the higher floor player, And Culver, who I think can have a positive impact on winning, Uh, and he might never average 20 points, but here's the thing. Jared Culver has to do everything for Texas Tech right now. In the NBA, if Jared Culver's your third or fourth best player, you're going to have a hell of a team, a hell of a team. He's going to make everyone else around him better just by being long and strong, being smart, um, playing both ends of the floor. So I like Culver. Uh, He's really good, and I want to see him – tomorrow against Michigan that game tips off at 8 30 locally in Chicago it's the third game on the day gonna be a fun sweet 16 because it was an all chalk first weekend of the NCAA tournament all the one seeds are left all the two seeds are left hell yeah man this is gonna be a really fun round I'm a little scared about Duke playing a conference opponent in Virginia Tech Buzz Williams is a great coach for Virginia Tech I think he's gonna come up with a game plan uh that you know could potentially put Duke in some trouble. Duke's going to need to hit some outside jump shots. Really Duke's going to need to turn over the Virginia tech guards. If that happens, Duke will win going away. But uh, if it doesn't happen, I'm a little scared. I'm actually more scared for Duke for the Virginia tech game than the Michigan state game. I'm kind of a Michigan state hater. So we'll see. Uh, I don't think their their talent on paper is very impressive. Uh, But it's gonna be a great Sweet Sixteen, dude. There were no Cinderellas, no buzzer beaters, but we got the best team still standing, and that's yeah, really I mean, awesome. C-
2: Cinderellas are good for like the first day, and then once I get past like the first weekend, uh, I'm I I just want the best teams and the best players. And like, it would have been great, I guess, if if Morant was able to play another game if they would have upset Florida State. But you saw Florida State just it was so fun. much better than Murray State. And I guess with Morant, we saw some of his again some of his flaws. He had those five threes, but I think he went like three for 15 on like two pointers that Florida state length and athleticism just kind of swallowed them up entirely around the basket. Uh, Yeah. I'm looking forward to it as well. Is there anybody else uh, in the tournament who you, who you liked from the first weekend, who you're looking forward to uh,
1: this and the sweet 16 coming up? Uh, We'll go quickly here, but dear Lord, Brandon Clark, I wrote a month ago that he's the second best player in college basketball. He was absolutely phenomenal for Gonzaga during the first weekend. I mean, you look what he did last game, uh, dropping 36 points. He had like six blocks. He was all over the court. He was dunking every play. That was against Baylor. He just looked like he wasn't even the same species as the other players on the court. I mean, he shoots 15 of 18 with eight boards, five blocks, two steals, 36 points. He was just dunking literally everything. Uh, Brandon Clark is... One of the more interesting players in this draft, because he's going to be a 23-year-old rookie, because he doesn't have much of a jump shot. He's not big enough to play center. He's 6'8", 215. I mean, could he be like Thad Young with Russell Westbrook's athleticism? You know, imagine that type of player. Uh, Thad Young shoots a little bit better than he does, but you know, you could project Clark's jumper out, uh, because he has improved this year from a totally broken shot to at least one that's a little more competent. Uh, I love Brandon Clark. If the Bulls, he's just a bad fit for the Bulls. Though. Yeah, like, right. He's got to play in the front court. You already got two guys, but he'd be a great energy big. Uh, I, I kind of think they shouldn't take Brandon Clark, but he's going to be good is the thing. But, like, they need a guy on the perimeter. Maybe you just take the best player. I don't know. Brandon Clark, I feel confident in. He's going to be a good NBA player. The other guy I wanted to bring up, was the star of the overtime period between Tennessee and Iowa. That is Grant Williams, Tennessee's junior power forward. He was SEC player of the year as a sophomore, this year as a junior, improved his numbers across the board. He's a total stud. Grant Williams looks like a throwback power forward, Six foot seven, two 240 pounds, scores a lot inside. He is so strong. He's such a good finisher. He's got quick feet on defense. He's smart. He doesn't make mental errors. He's a good passer. I love Grant Williams, and that's another guy, though, who's likely a four in the NBA. Man, if he could slide down to the three, suddenly he's a lot more interesting. Uh, but I thought Grant Williams was tremendous for Tennessee uh, in that Iowa game, and overtime. he totally took over on both ends of the floor. He had, he had a few jump shots uh, and a couple tough finishes in OT, and then he had a big steal late, too. So I love Grant Williams. Tennessee plays Purdue next round. And then that would set up the Elite Eight matchup with Virginia, should both teams advance. Watching him go up against DeAndre Hunter would be a lot of fun. Uh, So Grant Williams and Brandon Clark, shout outs to both of those guys because they were awesome in the opening weekend of the tournament.
2: Nice. Looking forward to next weekend as the next couple days as well. And speaking of brackets, we will have after our break here for for our sponsor. We have our own bulls bracket to talk about, but first, let's do this, this sponsor. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps protect your family and in most cases with ethos you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees having life insurance can free you from stress and getting life insurance shouldn't cause that discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at ethos and get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes just go to getethos.com. that's e-t-h-o-s get ethos.com get And we're back, and we are talking about the Chicago Bulls bracket 2019. Ricky, you've been do- doing these brackets now, this Bulls bracket now for what, like five or six years at this point. Please
1: do tell us what it's all about, and let's talk about this year's version. Yeah, I probably spend way too much time doing these. I don't know uh, if people enjoy reading them. I hope they do because to me, the the idea behind it is just trying to find some joy in the bull season and. You know, just following the season, even when it's a terrible year like this Bulls year has been, last two years have been, there's still just a lot of funny moments, a lot of memes that pop up. Uh, And I like to use the Bulls bracket as just a way to, like, you know, comb through everything that happened this year. So shout out to you for helping me think of a lot of this stuff. Also going to shout out Stefan No, since we mention him every episode, Sean Hyken, Will Gottlieb. Uh all these guys were, were helping me come up with some of uh, some of the entrants here. So, uh, yeah, it's just like a silly thing that I like to do. And you can read it on bloggable.com, for example. The number one seeds in this tournament were the leadership committee, double loss, the gift of Jim Boyle doing push-ups, which I chose as the winner because I think that <laughs> just signif- it embodies this year more than anything. And then Mello, I forgot that Mellow is even on the I, get, did it too. And I was doing the initial <laughs> list of things i wanted to bring up i think i had about 40 things then i brought them to you know some of you guys and was like what i forget Stefan was like yeah dude carmelo wow uh so those were the one seeds. some some other things in here i mean boozer zion tweet tagging zion national park <laughs> Zion national park responding I mean, that's just literally too good. There was also the the Yahoo report that when Boylan first took over, this is in the aftermath of the mutiny. uh, You know, he was talking about Popovich, and the players apparently told him he's no pop, which I love that. Uh, We had two different rap songs about Lowry Markin in the Finnish one that The Athletic did a story on. Uh, I was name-dropped in that story. I love to be a Finnish rap influencer, Jason. Uh, there's also another really good uh, Larry Markinen rap song by a Chicago artist, uh, which includes the line "Never had time for no arguments." Big ass shotgun looked like Laurie Markinen, so that's delightful right there. Uh, you know s- some other things: Jimmy Butler's really corny Instagram where he said, "You either die a hero or oh, see God. yourself become a villain." We got Jimmy Butler quoting the Dark Knight out here on Instagram while being dressed up like Mr. Autumn, the old running joke from The Onion. So that was something I had in there. Nick Friedel singing. Uh, that was that was really funny. Uh, Windy City Bulls dog jerseys. I need to get one of these. If anyone from the Windy City Bulls listens to the Cash Considerations podcast, hit me up, man. I want a Windy City Bulls dog jersey jersey dog night jersey give me a brandon samson i'll take that jim boylan dapping up the entire team after he got ejected from the clippers game is another one of my favorite moments so funny so on brand for boylan just to get super jacked and juiced and go up and dap everyone up after being kicked out of the game my favorite sleeper and this is like the first thing i thought of when i was doing the bowls bracket this year uh which you know no one else but me would have thought of but was when Sean Hyken tweeted in July 13, 2018, Jabari plays best at the four, and the Bulls' last two lottery picks are both bigs, and he's also had two ACL surgeries in the last three years, but he's a name. He's from Chicago, so this is very much an on-brand Bulls move. And Bobby Portis responds to the tweet, and he says, Sean, and it's just a gif of Bobby Portis flexing. If you know Sean Hyken at all, <laughs> if you know Bobby Portis, personality at all we had him on the pod oh so so (laughs) good another one i kind of forgot about markinen's tbt that he posted him in uh timberwolves you know Timberwolves draft night that was the day butler requested a trade markinen comes out with epic troll job uh you know posting the tbt to him in the timberwolves hat so that was really funny there was another
2: one I think I forgot to mention with Lowry kind of trolling. Lowry's been pretty good at Twitter. I feel like I don't know if he's actually doing it himself or somebody else is doing it. But uh, during All Star weekend, there was one where he like he like I think he made a joke about the mutiny uh, with like Luca and Dirk. I think during like the whatever the Rising Stars challenge. I think a couple of you had on your Other one had it. Did you have the like
1: the rake? Wasn't there one with the rake? Yeah, I had that finish raking season.
2: Yeah, like that. Like I, I feel like Lowry's been like low key, like really good at Twitter this season. Like funny, so good for him. Funny guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah,
1: I don't know if if you uh, if you look through this, did you know? Did you was there? Yeah, anything-
2: I did. T- I, I mentioned this on Twitter earlier that top left quadrant. I d- didn't even realize that you also had the which one was it? the Boozer Zion tweet. Like, that is a that was amazing. Uh, did you did you mention like what that? With the the background, what even was the background of that again? That was when he got hurt, right? When Zion got hurt, blew out he blew out the shoe and his and his his knee was he suffered the knee injury and like Carlos Boozer tweeted, "Get well." He was like, "Get well soon," at Zion. Whatever he was trying to say, "Get well soon" to Zion, and it was at Zion National Park. Like that is basically just like so on brand, Carlos Boozer, just absolutely perfect. That just that upper left quadrant between like the Boozer Zion tweet, the leadership committee, which. I, I, who's even that what's even going on with the leadership community these days with everybody heard the boiling dapping the Lowry rap song the I mean the road dog mentality I, cracks me up because it's just so stupid and obnoxious like there's so many good options there like I, I was just kind of looking through it and trying to figure out who I would take to take to win like the boiling push push-ups thing is great but even like looking up that at the boiling push-ups one in the upper white right, right quadrant we have boiling push-ups versus I think jacked and Juice in the second round would be an amazing matchup because like also, just like Jack, like, I don't even remember what exactly he was jacked and juiced about when he said it. It was probably just coaching in general or just like life in general. But it's like like just such a ridiculous thing to say. I'm just like jacked and juiced about this. So for that going up against boiling boil pushups in a second round matchup is is absolutely awesome. Uh, I'm trying to look through here just to see if there's ones I don't even rem- don't even remember. Uh, what was the Mitch Trubisky one that we have here?
1: Uh, Trubisky said that he'd take LeBron over Jordan. Oh my god!
2: Dang it, Mitch!
1: Mitch, come on, bro, come come on, guy.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, this is, just, this is so many. What was your what what was your final four?
1: Uh, I had Boozer Zion National Park. In just you know, for how I come up with these, I literally just like compile them into seeds and then just like put them on a bracket. So I don't like think too much about it. Uh, I just kind of go out and do it. My computer is being really slow. I can't even get it to load. The one thing about doing these posts is there's just so much media in them that they're probably a little tough to read. I hope they're easy to skim because it's not too writing intensive. I'm not writing anything more than two lines on any of them. Uh, But, yeah, so I had Jim Boylan doing push-ups. I had the Boozer Zion tweet. Players don't get paid to play defense. I feel like we're going to be quoting that for, like, 10 years. Uh, And then just mellow. So funny getting Carmelo Anthony, you know, five years too late. So uh, you can go to blogable.com, check that out if you want to. Also, I linked the old ones I've done, which are really funny. I did them from 2013 and 14, just going back and looking at, uh, you know, all the moments from those years. I mean, I'm looking at one right now, Jimmy Butler catching the alley-oop and dunking on Bosch, where it looks like he's just like hanging on top of Bosch. Bosch got his number retired. That's, you know, this week. That's how long ago this is. Another one, Nate Robinson doing the, the discount double-check belt over and over again to Steve Novak when they were playing the Knicks. I think that was a TNT game. Uh, Noah, doing, Noah I'm cursing sure out the refs in the Sacramento game. That's, of course, a classic Noah moment where he's like, F you, F you.
2: Oh, that was like yeah. the, the half-baked game? The, half-baked, the half-baked ejection? ejection
1: uh there's a picture of the bulls yeah. with paul mccartney noah butler and dang with paul mccartney that's pretty funny uh that was the oh god this is the boozer punches the rap in the crotch. <laughs> that
2: just like ages ago that was what is this like five six years ago I and mean, that just feels like a lifetime ago and like, like, well, like nba well. years at this point just a whole different team whole different like bulls era it's crazy
1: yeah. So go, go click on some of those old ones too. Uh, if you're bored, if you want to remember what it's like to actually be, you know, happy as a Bulls fan, uh, those ones will show you. And yeah.
2: Yeah. Those, those years, like 2013, 2014, even like with the Rose injuries were like the last years, I think I've mentioned this before that I've like actually enjoyed like a Bulls season because like they, with, with the Rose injuries, there was just like no expectations, but they were still pretty damn good and competitive and like, very likable with Noah and with like with young Jimmy before he went Hollywood. Uh, yeah, those are, those were just like fun seasons. No, with Noah putting the team on their back and there's a bunch of likable players. So it was, it was great. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I don't know if it's worth my time investment doing it, <laughs> I think it is. It's it's just kind of fun to think
2: about. It's a fun exercise. And I, like I said, you like said, I hope people enjoy it. Uh, it's really fun. I just want to, I also want to give up a shout out to the campaign, campaign. game as well. Maybe one of the maybe one of the weirdest ga- games results like I've ever seen. Campaign probably will not. I don't know if he'll play another NBA minute. The Cavs picked him up for like a 10 day contract. And he might have gotten two 10 days, but he certainly they released him at some point and he's has not gone back in the league. I can't imagine anybody else signs him ever again. Like he might be done in the NBA. Like that that game this season where he hit whatever, like six threes in a row or whatever the hell he hit. It's gonna be the highlight of his career, and it gave the Bulls a win. When if he probably did not have that game, they might have had a better chance of getting Zion. So I guess ultimately, Fu campaign because you had the w- one game of your like I believe that was against the Hornets, and it was they won by like one or two at the very end. But it's one of the weird, one of the biggest outlier games I've ever seen. So shout out to campaign for that game and for possibly screwing the God. I'm cracking up
1: looking at the first one now. Remember Fizinko? K- was it Ty- Kirill Fizinko?
2: Who? K- yeah, I do remember yeah, the name. He,
1: I got him in this first ever Bulls bracket, poured into the back of his jersey. That's hilarious. Noah doing jazz hands will be announced at the All-Star Game. Uh, spicy meatballs from Marco Bellinelli. Oh,
2: Marco. Jimmy
1: being known as the Kobe stopper and us making fun of him for it before we knew that Jimmy would turn into this great player.
2: Oh, Lou Amundsen? Classic,
1: yeah. So there's just a lot of silly stuff on these going going back. Uh, so yeah, check check them out. If
2: Marcus Teague, oh, I copy cu- cu- coffee. Oh man, that's good.
1: So uh, yeah, Bulls bracket, check it out. Share it if you want to, and I, that's pretty much all we got. Jason, Bulls got six games left.
2: Yeah, the season's about over. Uh, thank God. Like I said, like we mentioned earlier, they're playing nobody. Oh, uh, I hope I hope they shut everybody else down basically i wouldn't surprise me if like I, I have no i guess i have no idea how bad dunn's injury is but like they basically said that porter's done for the season there's no reason bring bringing back levine i i thought they were going to shut him down a, a little like a week or two ago they didn't but now he started to get i, I just shut them all down john taffer shut these motherfuckers down that's yeah, what i said I agree. uh i guess they, they play I think the Raptors next. They got the Raptors. They got a couple. They got a couple Knicks games. They got a couple Sixers game, and there's one more against Bobby. Bobby and Jabari uh, definitely shut them down for the Wizards game, so Bobby doesn't punch anybody in the face like he punched Lowry and and punched Bobby led and or uh, Miritich last year. So, so yeah, yeah, that's that's about all we got. Well, uh, will obviously, we're really we're gonna be. Ho- uh, with the tournament going on, we'll be heavy on tournament stuff. And with the lottery is in, I think a month and a half. Like we said, the Bulls are four. The Bulls are basically locked into fourth right now. The Hawks have continued to play really good basketball, and I think at this point, the Bulls. I think the Hawks might be like six or seven games clear, so the, they're not catching them. The Bulls, I, I believe. Let me go check this the the standings real quick. I think it's one and a half games ahead of the Cavs, so they're not totally out of. Uh, out of the running for that bottom three spot. Um, let me let me go here. Yeah, Bulls are 21-55. Cavs are twenty one and 50, no nineteen and fifty six. So that's a game and a half. The Cavs do have a big uh, long road trip here coming up, basically to end their season against some tough teams. So, I, but I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility if the Bulls should ever be down, they lose out. So hopefully the Cavs win a couple games maybe, and then Bulls will get in that bottom three. So that's what we're going to be focusing on. We want Zion Williamson. Possibly change our podcast name as good as our podcast name is now, but besides that, I think we're pretty good. Again, shout out to to Blue Wire hosting our pods. We're gonna be ramping up, hope hopefully, some playoff coverage here with the playoffs coming around in a couple weeks. We're gonna have a ton of good playoff coverage coming up on across all across the network. We're continuing to add pods everywhere. We got a bunch of good pods out here already. So shout out to Blue Wire, and you can follow follow us on Twitter as well at Blue Wire Pods, trying to build the following out there. So. And that's all I got from here. So this has been Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls podcast from Jason. Ricky, take it easy, man. Later, guys.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.